This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Today's essential question is, what is the current state of women's health in Pierce County, and why is this a social justice issue we should be paying attention to? And our guest today is Leah Ford. Leah received her BA from TESC, that is the Evergreen State College, Tacoma. Go Gooey Ducks! Sankofa! With an an emphasis in social justice and public health. She currently works in public health, and her work aims to address and combat the disparities in health outcomes for residents of Pierce County. She is also a breastfeeding peer counselor and mother of two. Welcome. Hi. Welcome to the show. Um, So one of the things I noticed when I was looking up information about you prior to this episode is that you sometimes describe yourself as a boob defender. Yes. Can you talk (laughs) a little bit about this nickname or why you describe yourself um, You know, it's like asks what your job should or what you do for work or whatever on Facebook. And I was like, hmm, I'm a boob defender. Like, I defend (laughs) the boobs and I support boobs. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. I, like, just did it randomly one day, and it's stuck ever since. Yeah. I, I feel like you should put was... that as your job title on, like, name tags at, like, <laughs> conferences, you know? just like really Hello, really I am Boob Leah Defender. Ford, boob Defender. <laughs> so talk about your work defending boobs. Yeah, so um, after I had my second child, um, I stayed at home, and I was a breastfeeding mother, mm-hmm. and I was reached out to by my local WIC office um, due to the duration of my breastfeeding Um experience with him and they asked if I was interested in being a breastfeeding peer counselor Mm -hmm. so um, they had apparently received a grant um, specifically targeting women of color to be trained um, as breastfeeding peer counselors um, because studies have shown um, you know when you're working in the community to be representative of the community that you Mm -hmm. look like so yeah yeah. so I did that training um, and I really didn't get hired as a breastfeeding peer counselor until about a year or so after that. And then mm-hmm. I was in a WIC office um, doing breastfeeding oh, peer that's counseling. Cool. That's so So awesome. what is breastfeeding peer counseling? Like, yeah. describe that for people who don't know what the heck that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. So in a WIC office or in a hospital, um, obviously there are different professions that are supporting, like, mothers um, and supporting their breastfeeding journey. But due to a variety of reasons, Mm -hmm. uh, moms often aren't really giving the support that they actually need. So Mm -hmm. a peer counselor is someone, ideally you connect with a peer um, during your pregnancy, and they will reach out to you once a month, just like kind of checking in, seeing how things are going, and giving, you know, great information about breastfeeding. Um, Because sometimes at this point during pregnancy, like moms aren't necessarily aware of like how they're going to feed their baby. Mm -hmm. Some are absolutely like, yes, I'm going to breastfeed. Some are like, I'm absolutely not going to. And some are just like, I'm not sure. So it's just a really good time to disconnect, get to know that mom. um, And again, just provide information about breastfeeding. Um, Then once you get closer to the due date, typically... That week of her due date, you're calling like every day, calling or texting. Mm-hmm. And also that contact during the pregnancy is usually just a call or a text, whatever mom's most comfortable with. Like not super invasive or like weird. Um, <laughs> not harassing you. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? Are you, are you breastfeeding are you today? Yeah, yeah. It's not like that. <laughs> Can you just imagine? Like that's the worst. So funny. Right? And I feel like a lot of people think like it's like that. And so I definitely like I actually like had would say, like, I'm not going to harass you, I promise. I just yeah. want to be there for you. So um, week of due date, calling, like, texting every day, just seeing, like, did you have the baby? Um, and then, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, again, just really being that support. So typically that first month you're talking to the mom a lot. Um, and, again, it's really based on mom's needs. Some moms are good to go. They don't really need a whole lot of support. Mm-hmm. So it's really just checking yeah. in, encouraging her, being that cheerleader. Um, some moms have some trouble, um, mm-hmm. and you're really there to provide the support, um, you know, provide um, information on different, like, positions or setting up schedules or whatever the case may be. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, if she's experiencing something a little more serious, you would, you know, that's out of your scope, you yield to um, Mm -hmm. a healthcare provider. So, How how do peer um, breastfeeding, sorry, say it again. Breastfeeding peer counselor. Breast, breastfeeding peer counselors. <laughs> how do they work with like lactation consultants mm-hmm. or like do they is their work overlap or do they collaborate? So, um, 
my guess, and I'm not 100% sure, is that the peer counselors program was like created due to the issues in lactation. Mm-hmm. And so you could be a certified lactation educator, CLE, mm. um, and that is something that's a credential. Um, or you can be an <laughs> IBCLC, uh, which is an international board certified lactation mm. consultant. Okay. Um, super gatekeepy. Um, okay. It's hard to get. I know two women of color mm. um, who are lactation consultants. Um, wow. Actually, three. I, two black women, Native American. Um, but yes, uh, super expensive. And yeah, so there needs to be some work around. Uh, it's not accessible. Yeah, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Okay. So the difference is that that person has that title. Um, I would say an IBCLC typically has a little more, well, not a little, they have more extensive training. And so they can diagnose, mm-hmm. say, if, like, oh, if a mom okay. has, uh, excuse me, a baby has tongue tie. Uh, where the frenulum is really close on the tip of the tongue. The tongue oh, kind of yeah. looks like a heart shape. So where I I can't say, like, your baby has tongue tie. I can be like, hmm, that, your baby's tongue kind of looks mm. like a heart. Maybe you should talk to your pediatrician oh, about, yeah, yeah. like, you know, I can't okay. necessarily say. Where, like, an IBCLC can, like, d- diagnose. It's like with teachers, we see manifestations of certain um, things in classrooms, right? But we can't be like, your kid has blank or whatever. Right, your kid right. needs to see blank. We can just have a conversation yeah. or try to talk to the school counselor and try to say, hey, can we, let's talk about, yeah. you know, or school learning needs right? and, yeah. maybe, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It keeps you out of the, like, legal weeds or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Legal <laughs> responsibilities. So, but it seems like breastfeeding peer counselor is a lot, there's a lot more, not just access to that, like, um, to be able to get the education right, but also like more access for the community to like have someone right mm. there in the WIC office who's like ready to help you, right? Absolutely. Like that, that that creates um, that lowers the barrier for moms for sure. Yeah. Um, just a sad piece about it is that it's also not super like recognized by organizations mm. as That's interesting. widely as it should be. So. For me, I really felt like here I'm working for this organization. I'm being like oppressed, and but yeah. I'm supposed to be helping mm. these like women, and it's like you like, it's like a part time job, like no benefits, mm. like you work twenty four seven because you always have to be available, yeah. which is totally yeah. understandable. But it's like, just have a little more respect, like with the role. Mm. Um, That's good. And the organization I worked for, I was the only peer counselor in Pierce County for them. Um, wow. There are other what the entire county. For that organization, yes. Wow. So I was one person with a case of many. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't even. Yeah, I was out of control. So, I think I'm going to yeah. ring the shingle. Yeah, you should. that's shameful. That's shameful. What? Yeah. Wow. Um, there's two other organizations that have peers um, in our county. Um but also are limited as far as what yeah. they're able to provide. Is it lack of will, lack of money, lack of both those things, lack of policy, knowledge? Is it people don't care? I mean, what do you think are the factors for why? I'd say all of the yeah. above. Yeah. It's like yeah, a combination of all those things. Mm-hmm. But it, then you look at like King County and their system is very different. Oh. So huh. okay. um, their WIC is through their Department of Health. And yeah. They have like. A squad of peer counselors. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not like there's not models we can't follow and exactly. try to. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a peer? Is peer counseling? Do you work with doulas also, or is it like a similar kind of type of work that you're doing with? Because I know doulas uh, do like support, like pregnancy support, but or do you collaborate ever with doulas? Not really. Um, there are a few organizations that do t- doula training in the area. Again, extensive. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but there definitely is a need for doulas. Mm-hmm. Um, they are really that support person that can really be in the room, like at the delivery, supporting moms. Um, there's a lack of doulas who are people of color. Um, and the doulas that are women of color um, have really experienced, you know, uh, racism mm-hmm. when they've been supporting um, their clients. So I'm a, yeah. you know, I have a few friends who just really won't do the work right now just yeah. because it's really hard to be put in, you know, the yeah. hospital and dealing with the way right. that they're treated by um, hospital staff. Yeah. I have to give a big shout out to Erica Davis. She's a local doula in Tacoma and she was our doula for our son. And she is um, a badass black woman and she is involved with some um, networks of, um, 
I think it might be the one I was thinking of is the um, Triangle Doulas of Color, but she's involved with some groups that are really trying to change the narrative about like, like how do we include black women in this work and like make sure that um, because some of the biggest doula organizations are are like not just like not supporting women of color, they're actively racist. Like, mm. and so that's like not, I mean, and when we say women of color, specifically black women, right? Like, and so I, um, I, I hope that, um, you know, that people who are listening understand that like, that's a r- really serious issue in, in healthcare, especially for, for moms. Yeah. And there yeah. are some groups, um, coming down this way, um, some Seattle based organizations that are providing, um, they call it a community doula. Um, for women of color down yeah. in Pierce County. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm just not sure of their capacity to really serve the yeah. need. Yeah, that's at least point. they're here. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Can you talk a little bit? Um, I think some of our listeners probably don't know a lot about this topic. And um, yeah, it's Hollywood at that. Uh, but can you talk a little bit more about some of those racial and ethnic disparities that you've seen mm-hmm. or experienced um, that are kind of happening with women's health, um, whether it's breastfeeding related mm-hmm. or something else? Yes. So black infants are more than twice likely to die um, compared to non-Hispanic white babies. Mm. Um, And actually, those numbers are worse than it was like in 1850. Um, Black women are three to four times um, more likely to die from pregnancy or pregnancy-related causes than Mm. white women. Um, And it's really, it's not impacted by, like, your socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Probably Mm -hmm. one of the most famous, like, instances of this was, like, Serena Williams. And she was really um, vocal about her delivery and um, how she was impacted. But um, Pierce County um, has statistically higher rates of infant mortality than Washington State as a whole. Pierce County? Pierce County, yes. Oh, so what? birth outcomes, including like preterm birth and low birth rates, are higher for African Americans um, when, again, related to non or compared mm-hmm. to non Hispanic whites. Um, and then maternal risk factors for poor birth outcomes and infant mortality include hypertension, um, mm-hmm. obesity, and uh, diabetes. So mm-hmm. um, the program that I'm a part of really um, works hard to combat that stuff. I'm fixated on the Pierce yeah, County part. What are some, I'm wh- actually why? surprised that Pierce County is worse because I would imagine in my stereotyping, I'd be like, oh, this boonie rural district where it's like really terrible or where there's less access like there's no hospital right? yeah like, or I'd be like be... blame everything on Seattle I'd be like oh Seattle's the worst <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> blame everything are there Seattle. things that are unique to Pierce County that make it make it worse way? yeah just um, in your personal when opinion, you look at like the social determinants of health like there's been a lot of work um, by the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department mm-hmm. um, showing, like, your zip code, determining your yeah. life expectancy, yep. things like that. Mm-hmm. So I would say that has a piece to do with it. Um, but additionally, like, probably the main thing is just, like, racism. Yeah. Provider bias is, like, real. Yeah. And um, it scares people, especially women who've, like, already had a child and had a negative experience. Mm-hmm. They maybe aren't as apt to, like, go to the um, yeah. see a doctor when they find out they're pregnant. So they're not receiving mm-hmm. prenatal care until maybe their second or third trimester. Um, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I feel like we're finally, um, maybe we, just because I'll just I recognize my privilege in that sense. Um, but I, I feel like there's finally some talk around some of these issues and that racism really does kill and particularly impact women's health um, yeah. in a way that I don't know nationally. Maybe it has we haven't had those conversations. I don't know if either of you feel like that's the only are reason. To become more aware. The of only that, reason I was aware of it is that um, I, you know, going through my wife being pregnant and having like um, being um, just being kind of immersed in like literature and research and stuff about um, maternal fetal health. Like that, it came up in that, and also like. Having um, having a doula who was just really, um, you know, that just talking to her about um, like social justice issues that came up just in that because we were in that circumstance. But it wouldn't I don't know if I would have been aware of it otherwise. Like it's not and it has been something that I haven't. But you know that within communities of color that it's been a conversation for a long Forever, time and yeah. that, you know, it's like you said about that point of privilege, like knowing that uh, we haven't had a conversation about it right. nationally. Yeah. 
And it is interesting when you think of like Pierce County just like as itself, like you're saying, like it's not a bad place to live. No. There's like Mm-mm. access to hospitals and yeah. doctors. And we have a lot of hospitals <laughs> like yeah. per capita in and the it's city. Like if you think like across the country and like more rural areas, like you mentioned, like maybe it is you could understand like the disparities in those areas. Yeah. Like not that it makes it more accepting. Right. But like the lack of yeah, access might would be you'd expect you'd expect that lack of access would be more of a factor. Like right. but it's that's not the case. But it goes yeah. back to proving the point around like systemic policy, the policies that people have right. and the way people yeah. act at a hospital or in a, a health, whatever, place, department, area. Um, yeah. When people interact with you, if you are crappy, if you're overtly or subtly racist, right. like people aren't going to come back and, and get right. Like, why would they? F- you don't care about them. Right. And you're enacting in a way that you don't care about them. Well, and kind of like our last conversation that we had um you know, um, we we're talking about um, LGBTQ students going back to school. And I think about like the the group of folks who are least likely to seek health care in the LGBTQ community are, are black trans women. Mm-hmm. And that is because of, also because of racism. And so that these things are all connected. They're not they're not disconnected. They're all related to each other and how our healthcare system is killing black people, black women. Right. Um, wow. Um, so. Leah, you look like you were going to add. Yeah, you're, Go ahead. Yeah, you're thinking. Get it. <laughs> Go no, ahead. It's fine. I'm just thinking. <laughs> Speak your mind. I don't know. I think also there's just so much like judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when a doctor sees a mom while she's pregnant, like they that's a ample opportunity to be like discussing like things like breastfeeding. You know, how are you going to feed your baby? What are you? Right. What are your plans? Are you working? Yeah. Like, have you talked to your employer about how to support you? And a lot of times, like, providers are just making assumptions, like, I don't even think she can take care of herself. You know, I'm not going to talk to her about her baby. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's just really crappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about um, one of my nieces had a baby, and um, she's a woman of color, and uh, one of the Tacoma hospitals, like, they didn't discover that her baby um, couldn't poop, right? Like, she didn't have an anus. And so... I think, like, that's one of the main things. Like, my mom was a midwife, so I feel like I understand, like, a little bit. One of the first things you check is, like, body functions and right. crying, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, it took them two and a half weeks. And then wow. finally a nurse, after going back to the – it was her first kid, too. So, like, she doesn't necessarily know what to look for, not what's normal, what's not normal, whatever kinds of signs of whatever. And I'm like, some doctor and set of nurses – couldn't be bothered to, like, look carefully or didn't check, like, where yeah. things were coming out of what holes. Wow. Like, what? Yeah. And then I just thought, like, if this is just one of probably bajillions of, of times that this has happened. Right. And finally some nurse um, at one of the other hospitals, I think she went to a different one, um, or clinic, was like, oh, wait a second. And, like, looked more carefully at the baby and then, like, checked and then was like, oh, this is the thing and we can take care of this. And good thing we wow. caught your baby in time. And I was just – my mind yeah. just went through all the, like, steps of how how common is this – in our city and across the county. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to ask another question, Anne? Um, I was just thinking about, um, about like, your kind of um, – we started talking about you being a peer um, – Breastfeeding. Oh my gosh! I'm, I'm well, I can't even remember that term. I don't know why. Mentor, I can't remember. Peer, peer mentor. mentor. Breastfeeding mentor. Um, peer the, counselor. Peer counselor. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm so yeah, glad you're fine. here. Uh, <laughs> not, it's a um, good thing you're the guest. We're not. It's, it's it's mentoring as well. So like wh- it's not I, wrong. I, I don't know if we. Thank you. I don't know if we actually got to the kind of the heart of like what got you into healthcare in the first place. Like what? Mm. Like what drew you to that work? Because you you you're so passionate about it. And like what what made you what made you want to do it like yeah I never really knew about the birth disparities until I took that training Mm. and I um the women of color who facilitated that course were very transparent about you know the outcomes um birth outcomes in our area and it was just like so crazy Mm -hmm. um I just had no clue and so I was just like okay what can I do to like combat Mm -hmm. this so I just and a lot of the health issues that impact infants can be combated with breastfeeding. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of like where that came in. It was like, oh, we can really have an impact on just health issues that women and babies are experiencing just strictly by initiating and mm-hmm. ensuring that a mom breastfeeds, you know, as yeah. long as possible. Mm-hmm. Even just a drop is better than nothing. Yeah. And so like really encouraging moms to just try and do something mm-hmm. um, yeah. really has an impact on their Absolutely. baby's ability to, to thrive. Mm-hmm. 
And part of it's like, isn't it also like fighting infection? Like they get antibodies through the breast milk and yes. it's like, I mean, the health benefits are Their astounding. immune yeah. systems are stronger. They have um, lower instances of ear infections, um, diabetes, obesity. Um, they actually have better like oral health due to all mm. the muscle movement mm. that's involved. That's um, when a baby's drinking from a bottle, it tends to like pool in their mouth. So especially mm. when they do have like teeth forming, um, it can lead to decay, whereas mm. um, the breast milk is mm. obviously a natural substance and designed to be um, in a baby. But, um, you know, the mouth is just more efficient. Um, and yeah, just overall health um, for moms, lower instances of um, ovarian and um, breast cancer. Mm. Um, yeah, a magnitude of like amazingness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's so cool. Uh, zooming out a little bit, when you think about some of the biggest challenges that we face um, for women's health in Pierce County, um, since you're going to speak for everybody in the county, just, um, <laughs> you know, what do you, I mean, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges? Is it, uh, would you like continue to speak to these issues or are there other things that we need to be talking about? Oh gosh. Um, if you need a minute, that's okay. <laughs> I feel like there's so much. I yeah. think this is something that is really simple mm. and not that breastfeeding necessarily is simple because I'm not insinuating that. I know mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing for everyone to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but just taking a look at, you know, something this small, so yeah. to speak, um, really has, like, a huge impact. And maybe having more um, conversations around, like, how hospitals and employers are supporting, mm-hmm. um, you know, moms who are breastfeeding or, you know, wanting to do that. I think... In this city, we've done great work around being, like, breastfeeding friendly and mm-hmm. not, like, attacking people for breastfeeding in public. You see a lot of shops, you know, that breastfeeding welcome here. They have rooms, mm-hmm. lactation rooms, um, that sort of thing. So there's definitely been a lot of work around that, which is, like, great to see. Um, but, yeah, I think more at, like, a systems level is where the biggest change needs mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. It's funny. As you're talking, I am flashing back to, like, visiting a church when I was a kid and there being, like, a nursery room with, like, one of those glass, like, windows, kind of like we have here in the studio where you can see in through the yes. other. Um, but it was, like, a one-directional seeing. And it was for, now that I, as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's for all the breastfeeding moms. And thinking about how oh, we've shifted yeah. from, and also so you, like, your kid could run around. and But how I appreciate that some, like, places of worship have shifted that a little bit. I mean, it depends on, like, the belief system and whatnot. But, um and rules about, like, quote-unquote modesty. But yeah. essentially, right, like, if you're breastfeeding mm-hmm. in a lot of churches nowadays, like, it's less of a big deal. Or right. there's places yeah. where kids, you know, whatever, can color and, like, yell yeah. on the side and it's fine. Um, but it just it's just a weird – I was just flashing to that thinking about, oh, yeah, that was what the, what, that's what those rooms were for. <laughs> yeah. Like, hide away in here and then yeah, feed your kid. Yeah. So I'm happy to hear that Tacoma is – you feel like Tacoma is more accepting of, of public breastfeeding. Yeah. That's great. Are there other women's health issues, you think, that come up that you think we should be paying attention to? Um, so there's a thing called uh, LARC, Long-Acting mm. Reversible Contraception. Um that's a thing that could potentially, you know, could be problematic. Um, essentially, when a woman has her baby, um, it is encouraged to start birth control like, mm, right, when she mm. has a baby. So um, there's some issues with that. It's happening to women without their knowledge. Um, and is that where they just like you pushed it out? So now I'm going to clap in there and cut things up for absolutely. like very non nuanced way of saying absolutely <laughs> non medical, or lay woman's terms. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, so that's oh, a thing. Okay. Too, which do you feel is that something that's happening specifically more to women of color than my assumption would be yes. I don't know if there's any data that really is yeah. um, mm-hmm. showing. I don't know. That would be interesting to look into. But I know it's definitely happening. Mm-hmm. So what's the reason for that push? Um, again, so these black women aren't having black babies, so let's yeah. make sure mm-hmm. they can't have any more. Um, so, yeah, sad. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like also, not your business, people. It's like deeply unethical. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. To the point of like, um, that's, I'm, sh- is why that, is it unethical, Annie? It's unethical it for us. because, um, you should be, um, fully aware and able to make your own healthcare decisions and if you are incapacitated because you've just had a, you've just given birth it's wrong for a doctor to um, do a procedure mm-hmm. that you haven't consented to absolutely it also violates like not only like our like what I would consider like a like a core sense of like right and wrong but also in terms of like ethics but also like a doctor's 
ethical charge to not harm, do mm. no harm. So right. I, I feel like that's I, that's why I think it's unethical. Um, I'm sure there are other reasons why it's unethical. Um, racism is deeply unethical. So um, mm. there's this uh, that other element of like if you like don't if you only look at the fact that like that 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 happens at a higher rate for women of color, like the yeah. like it's just racist. Like and that is not that is. Um, so deeply wrong on so many levels, right? And we talk about things that are ethical or unethical, right? Mm. That's the most unethical thing. Yeah. Because it's not being targeted. It's not targeted at, you know, it's not being applied evenly. Mm-hmm. Right. So. And there, I'm sure, are women who maybe really do want that and they maybe aren't even necessarily, like, given the option. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, definitely need to have some safeguards around, like, unjust use of of that. Yeah. Yeah. Are there women's health issues? Um, I would say there also is like an issue with um, support around breastfeeding in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So say a mom has a baby um, in her chart. She's under the assumption that it says she's exclusively b- breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but nurses will change it to like um, like combination feeding. And then so when another nurse, say, comes in and maybe this nurse like isn't as comfortable or is educated on breastfeeding or just like doesn't want to support the mom because of implicit bias, um, they will supplement with, like, donor milk. Mm. And there are... Um, you don't know about donor milk? Hope looks what? very perplexed. <laughs> As you're talking, I'm just, like, stink-facing because I'm like, nurse, why are you touching that chart that's, like, none of your business to, like, change things? And then I'm thinking about what you're saying about implicit bias. What's yeah. donor milk? So, yeah, moms um, can pump and oh, yeah. donate their milk. And yeah. so um, it goes through, like, a cleaning of some sort. I don't exactly know the process, but yeah. It's like um, so laundry they have it, money, like, but laundry and breast milk. Yes. Well, if <laughs> you, and if you need it or want it, like it's really helpful. Yeah. yeah. But you shouldn't be given it if it's. Wait, do you get paid for donating your breast milk? No. I think there's some places either. that definitely. Really? Do that. Oh, I thought like, it's like plasma. the black market. Like, like if you're on Facebook or black something. Black market breast milk. Like, I need some <laughs> breast milk. People yeah. are selling. I know they're all, I see people buy nothing all the time. Like I have a freezer full of breast milk. Why? I want it. Yeah. Buy nothing? Yeah. We're going to hippie buy nothing. Listen, I don't want to talk about up my in, buy nothing. Up in so Auburn, judgmental. Where you at again, Kent? It's not that hippy dippy. <laughs> I do remember they um, banned women from selling breast milk on like eBay or whatever it was. Like, oh really? Remember this from a few I don't know five ten years. Well, ago. Well, I can see how if you're selling, it could be cont- like it could be contaminated. Like if you're talking right. about like that could yeah. be unsafe. But but also like donor. I feel like the donor places. A lot of those are like. Um, they're pretty good about, like, making sure that it's safe to... So it goes through, like, some kind of plasma thing. Just kidding. It's, like, my only comparison <laughs> as someone who's not having children and doesn't breastfeed. They put it in one of those spinny um, things and it gets all the gunk out. And I don't know. Yeah. So that seems like it would be a good thing. So what is... Right. So, but the issue is then the mom isn't being supported yeah. to work on her right. own supply. Yep. And then in addition, she's not, like, being shown how to, like, feed her baby because yeah. the baby's not getting a bottle. And so here's a mom who really may want to breastfeed and is, like, super excited to, like, have this journey and then not yeah. able to execute due to the lack of support. So Yeah. And, well, and the thing about the bottle, too, because of the way that infants, like, newborns' mouths are shaped, like, if you give them a bottle too early, it can do weird stuff in their actual, like, physical mouth. And, like, you like the latch can be difficult, but, like, it's their mouth is meant to be like it's it's the pieces fit together like the mouth infant mouth is supposed to attach to a nipple like it's just how it it's just how it's all set up like i like how you're flustered as you're talking about i don't know how to describe it i feel like it's very it's like that's how there's a lot of hands moving right now yeah there's it's a all the i don't know if you if you introduce a bottle too early it can be traumatizing physically to the infant and, and also, and like, also, make it more difficult later to, like, Absolutely. Latch. So it can lead to yeah. nipple confusion. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for a baby to drink from a bottle than mm-hmm. to, you know, be at the breast. So kind of like if you think of yourself, like, drinking water through a straw in a cup. Like, mm-hmm. you're just sucking it and it goes right in. And if you're, like, have your little water bottle and it's, like, the little spout yeah. and you have to, like, get your lips right and, like, suck or, oh, it's spilled. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, it makes a mess if you do, don't have your mouth right. Like, that's kind of, like... The yeah. same thing. So versus like a like, sippy mm. cab versus like exactly. A, they're like, yeah. oh, Nalgene this is bottle. too much work. I'll go back to that bottle. And so sometimes, uh, yeah, if a, typically um, it's recommended that a mom doesn't introduce a bottle until like the baby's at least like a month old. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just so her and the baby have enough practice like learning how to breastfeed because it's yeah. a process for both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's take a quick break and okay. then we'll come back and talk about some things that you think are going well. Sounds good. 
Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, Crossing Division. Let me tell you, growing up in Southern California, I thought that people in Washington just didn't know what a real earthquake was. I didn't think anything about them. Until February 28th, 2001, the Nisqually earthquake. I was on the seventh floor of a government building right across the street from Capitol Campus in Olympia. And the quake hit hard. Let me tell you, that building, I was convinced it was coming down. It was the worst earthquake I have ever been in. I got under a conference table with my coworkers, and when the quake was over, I evacuated the building with them, looking around at cracks in the walls and stuff everywhere. I did fine, but let me tell you, one of my coworkers, another attorney in my office, Jeff, he was trapped in his office for hours because when we left, We didn't know who was uh, gone and who was there. So he was trapped and two people had to come back in with a crowbar and open up his door. The building had shifted and closed him in. It was really, really scary. No one was injured, but ever since then, I take earthquake drills really seriously. Really seriously. And that's why I'll be participating in the Great Washington Shakeout, scheduled for October 17th at 10.17 a.m. in the morning. That's right, 10.17 at 10.17 a.m. Everyone in the state is encouraged to take a minute to drop, cover, and hold on, just like you would in a real earthquake. Look, we all need to build muscle memory. It's good practice to make sure you don't run out the door and get hit by falling debris in the next big earthquake. So do it for real with the Great Washington Shakeout. Get down on the floor and hold on. Then do one more thing. Work on that emergency kit. Talk to your family about your plans. Find out what your work or school will do after an earthquake. Again, that's scheduled for 10.17 a.m. on October 17th. You got that, 10.17 on 10.17. It's easy to remember. You can learn more at shakeout.org slash Washington. Use hashtag shakeout on social media to post shakeout selfies afterwards. Thanks to the Great Washington Shakeout for sponsoring this episode of Channel 253. And we're back. We're back. So we just were talking about um, the idea of difficulties or things that need to be fixed in terms of women's health in Pierce County specifically. Um, are there things that you feel like are working in the wh- right, <laughs> the white, wow, slip up, Hope, Freudian, not Freudian? Come on. God, that's the worst. Um, the right direction or just things that you think are going well in terms of women's health in this county. What are we doing right? So there are a lot of coalitions that are doing great work, coalitions and collaboratives. And I think that's it's cool. great because it's getting a lot of people from different uh, backgrounds, demographics together to really talk about um, what's going on. So at least people are like talking and it typically can be people who can influence change Um mm-hmm. You know, I guess time will tell as far as like the impact of that um, work. Um, there's also an amazing program um, through Tacoma Pierce County Health Department called Black and Fit Health. Um, and it is a network of churches, pastors, health ministers who are um, like volunteers from the oh, community. Cool. Sometimes it'll be, say, a retired nurse that goes to a certain church and, um, you know, is passionate about like giving back to the community in that aspect. Um and then also just like community partners. Um, and so basically through this program, as we mentioned earlier, the disparities that are impacting the African-American community, it's really supporting these women and families um, from like a culturally like centered mm. approach, um, just really built on like just that rich like culture that, you know, can't really be duplicated by anyone other than people of color. So yeah. Um, what could happen with this program is a mom can get um, involved during pregnancy or after pregnancy um, and just really be connected with any resources that they might need. So whether it be like medical, um, housing, jobs, um, anything. Um, and then in addition, also get connected to support groups. Um I mean, mental health is a whole nother issue mm. that is a problem. But um, for people of color, there's not many providers that except maybe state insurance or just a number of people of color doing that kind of work in general. So in the interim, while someone maybe is waiting to get in care or um, 
just maybe doesn't even want to necessarily address it. The support groups are a great way for moms to connect with other moms and bring their kids and just mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. life and like what's impacting them. Um, super therapeutic and just an additional resource that this program provides, which is amazing. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, if you were to uh, have a magic wand and like change something, um, what kinds of things would you like to see happen in the near future? Um, I would like to see more money for programs like Black Infant Health. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's people can only do so much with the resources they have. And, um, you know, building upon that is like, huge because then it could expand and have a deeper reach um i would erase racism (laughs) (laughs) it's like impacting so many people in so many areas and i know that's like kind of a you know definitely wishful thinking and definitely would need that magic wand but i mean that would just change so much that is happening to us in the city Mm -hmm. and in the country and Mm -hmm. all over so so a lot of our listeners are white, um, <laughs> and thinking about those people that are listening, what are some ways that, like, the average white person in Tacoma could um, help influence this, I guess, in a positive way? Like, are there are there ways that folks can use their privilege to, you know, financially, of course, like donating to certain programs? Are there other things that folks can do? I think just really, like— accepting and like truly believing that racism Mm. exists like Mm. that's still like a barrier that is surprising to me um like racism is real it's happening like Mm -hmm. period so if people could just be more accepting of that reality um that in itself goes so far Mm -hmm. um and then understanding privilege um that this could go a long I could be going down like a rabbit hole right now. Go for it. Go. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, I just feel like a lot of people aren't supportive of just anything, like Mm -hmm. even creating a space or even a program where it is meant for like women of color to me. It's like, oh, that's racist. Like, why do they need their own place? Why do they need their place when I don't have any place? Like, what if I had white women meeting? Wouldn't that be racist? You're like, like, shut up. Everywhere you go, you see people that look like you. Like, it's okay for people to, like, me and be safe and talk about whatever they want to talk about that's impacting their lives. So I guess maybe being a little understanding of that. And just, like, you could ask Dr. Google so much stuff. And I know there's some (laughs) crazy stuff, too. But even just, like, the random questions people might have, like, Google it and see what pops up. Yeah. Don't expect people of color to also, like, explain everything to you because that always gets happened. Well, and then also, like, um, when you have access – I love that you said Dr. Google. That's the best thing (laughs) I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, That you you have access to, like, a plethora of research and data. If you're a person who's like, well, I don't even believe personal stories. I need the numbers, right? Like, then go look at the research about the health outcomes and, like, disparities for black women and then, like – and then um, then maybe you can have, start to have some mm-hmm. reconcile with yourself about racism because right. like it, uh, the numbers are there and it's real and it's killing people. So and it's killing babies. Like that's the other thing, too, when people are like, like if you don't care about grown adults. You care about babies. You should you should <laughs> listen. You know? I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. No, but like that's right. like if you want to like it is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like you should care about both grown ass adults and babies. But like but please like. If if the only thing that you get from that is that, like, children are being hurt, like, you care about kids, mm-hmm. even if you're a total idiot. Like, right. so just, you know. Yeah, know. I, back in my mind, I'm like, do I even want to get started on this? Like, the whole abortion conversation. Like, I, I'm like, you care about babies in the womb, but then you don't care about, like, real I mean, not, not that they're not real. I don't want to argue about that. But, like, people out of the womb, like, babies out of right, the womb and the, right. the systems that are in place, like, it's just is so disconnected. It's yeah. super disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you about, which is not related exactly to this, but what's your take on anti-vaccination oh <laughs> and anti-vaxxers? So... We've been dying to have this conversation on the pod, but we are having a hard time uh, reaching health experts. So you're our I'm my first like, effort. Like... You're our health expert in this case. <laughs> I think it's a tough one. Um, I... Definitely agree with a parent's ability to, like, make decisions for their children. Um, I mean, I have friends who choose not to vaccinate their kids and friends who 
absolutely do. Um, me, I did, and I vaccinated. <laughs> I don't want to die from like a disease <laughs> from a disease that was eradicated and is right? now coming back. Like no? me, we had measles in March, 1800s or whatever. There was that May measles yeah. was here, and then tuberculosis last oh. month. TB's back. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, so. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if you think of like the number of deaths or that happen like for people who have been vaccinated versus those who haven't, mm. uh, you know, just and also when you think about people in our community that really depend on people to be vaccinated and healthy, like those who are going through like chemotherapy ding, ding, ding. and you mm-hmm. know, like they don't need sick people wandering mm. around because like their lives are dependent on it so yeah I don't know Real. it's tough I mean people are definitely like very passionate about whichever side they stand on with this um, and we're very open on this pod that we are very yeah. anti-anti um, my I mean not the people themselves my, but my, the my Twitter description says pro-vaxxer because I felt like that was more positive oh, and I was trying to be, because I am pro-vaccination I like, I like, I like total, total it almost sounds like a medication yeah. it does like, but so I feel pro-vax. like like I'm very like I'm very pro, pro-vaccination I just feel like I don't like you said that those eradicated diseases like I don't want to die of mumps seriously you know like, polio's back yeah seriously like, like no there's still there's still a guy there's still a guy, and I think what? I just read about this. I think he's still alive, who is in his like 80s, and he lives in an iron lung, and he's been in the iron lung since the 1950s oh from gosh. polio. And the only way that he stays alive with this negative pressure chamber is because he has some old school like people who are interested in fixing old machinery can come and actually work, but they don't make the parts for his iron lung anymore. He's been in the same wow. iron lung since like the 1950s, and he just like he's he became a lawyer. He like lived his life, but like he is basically like stuck in this thing like he can't uh, I'm definitely looking into the videos that just popped up when I <laughs> doctor so googled it right now right? it's so interesting <laughs> and the thing is like like every I don't know like it's good that that technology was available to like save his life and like keep him alive because he did amazing things with his life but like dude we got rid of polio like can we keep get keep we keep it away like right. can we keep could we not bring it back like I'm not actively trying to like get polio Actively get polio. What is it? Like actively get ripped? You know, no, I'm not working out. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I can't. That's why I'm laughing because it's like, like so it's uncomfortable so and scary. terrifying. Like it's so scary. Like, Doug's face right now is the best. Everybody just looks. Yeah. D- yeah. She's His face perplexed. is like WTF. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what that face like is. why Why are people. Why? Do, why? why? Um, is it time to go to champagne and real pain? I think it's time. Champagne for my real friends. Real pain for my champ friends. So we're going to raise a glass to some people out there doing good work. Um, so what kind of champagne are we passing out? Um, I saw Prosecco? This, Just I kidding. S- oh, yeah, right. Champagne. I saw this, well, non-alcoholic sparkling juice because oh. for the pregnant listeners. You know, there you go. Yeah, yeah. don't <laughs> um, The um, Target in Weatherford, Texas. I saw this. Leave it this, up to Annie to bring up Target okay. as part of her <laughs> champagne. You know I love Target. Target um, right now. So, well, no, no, here's why. It's this one specific store that... Um, this popped up on social media and it was it was on all of the all the channels and I you know how um, social media like knows everything that you search for and so then it recommends things. Yeah, it's like you're gonna so love creepy. this story about breastfeeding and I'm like okay cool and so I clicked <laughs> on like, it. I Obviously <laughs> I clicked on it because you know I am interested. Um, and so when I clicked on it, it um, they know you. This store in Texas had uh, put up signs all over the store that said, breastfeeding, um, welcome anywhere and everywhere in our yeah. store. And it was amazing. I was like, so cool. And then, um, hmm. and people were just like responding to it really positively. Like, yeah, it's rad. Like, because Target, like as a corporation is already breastfeeding, pretty breastfeeding friendly. But like mm. this store specifically, I think maybe because of the community they were in, were like, yeah. no, this place is okay for you to breastfeed. Or Any- did they anywhere have some and kind of drama like, that like that they were Possibly. He, that was like going crazy on a breastfeeding mom. That was like in Target. I wonder if it was that Target. Oh, maybe. I maybe that know. was their response. But- Maybe they were like, you need to not, you need to leave people alone because they can breastfeed whenever and wherever they want. Yeah. So I thought that was That's really awesome. awesome. Yeah. Great. Uh, other people that deserve some champagne? Um, I'd like to give some champagne <laughs> to Leah Johnson. Mm. Um, she is a retired public health nurse, um, IBCLC, and her, along with Dolores Backus, um, facilitated the breastfeeding for counselor training that I did. Awesome. Um, and they have both, actually, and Dolores Backus too, shout out to her. Um, they both have been working super duper hard for many, many years to just like uplift the black community, uplift uh, women of color, and putting them um, in positions to continue to impact uh, the community. Um, 
Leah always says, um, like, the supported become supporters. And so a lot of their contingent—I can't talk. Um, (laughs) Anyways— Delete. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of the people that they have impacted are really out in the community doing great work, doing great things, facilitating um, support groups, starting uh, their own companies, being doulas. Um, yeah, so those women are great. And also Michelle Lord, she works at the Department of Health. She's the breastfeeding coordinator. Cool. And she's an amazing white woman who really is a great ally and just really understands, like, how important the work she's doing, like, is impacting Washington State. So, like, yay. Mm-hmm. She's great. That's awesome. awesome. I will raise my glass to those ones as well. Excellent. Uh, a little real pain. Real pain. We deserve some pain out there in um, the world. I saw the story yesterday. It was a little, it was super cringy. Um, a <laughs> lifeguard at the Kokomo Beach Water Park in Kokomo, Indiana. First of all, why is there a town called Kokomo, Indiana? I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> uh, for telling a breastfeeding mom to stop, even though Indiana state law protects um, women to breastfeed anywhere. Um, so that lifeguard, you, they needed to like... They need to have some training about that because, yeah. Uh, yeah, that story popped up when I was looking for, you know, stuff for real pain. And I was like thinking, this is still happening. This is still happening mm-hmm. all over the place. And like for a family at a water park, like there are a lot of little kids around. There are a lot of moms around. Like that's not something that you would um, – that's not that's something you're going to see, right? Mm-hmm. But that made this person uncomfortable. And so they thought they should say something mm-hmm. in violation of state law. So just also be aware of state laws. Like some states are have really strong protections for breastfeeding mm-hmm. moms and – um, businesses should be aware of that. And, Dr. Um, Google, yeah. it will help you. Also, don't make that. your don't make your only like um, option for breastfeeding like be in like a, a toilet. Yeah, like, right. in a toilet what? Stall. Like, you're not gonna go feed your baby eating food no. at the restaurant in toilet a, in, in a bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, you're sure not. Exactly. Like, you're gonna eat a sandwich at the bathroom. No. Boom. Oh, you have this nice this public. nice lactation area. It's a toilet. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, thank you. And I know it's supposed to be shade, but um, or pain. Um, but <laughs> Washington State is like amazing as far as protections for women who breastfeed, um, and like employers are required to provide like a space. Um, it does vary like based on the number of employees, but here you are protected. So if you have issues, yeah, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have help mm-hmm. from That's awesome. the state. Uh, uh, anything else? Um, real pain. Real pain. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I mentioned tongue tie earlier. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, so there are like dentists that are clipping tongues and oh. frenulums at, yeah. Don't do that. Um, why? Wait, are, first of all, isn't that like not, how do you have the medical expertise to do that? Because yeah, just because your dentist like, is not the same. From, but it's happening. Why? Also, don't you need that to hold your tongue to the bottom of your mouth? They will Is it use like, like a knife or a laser. Oh, um, I can feel how that. I can feel that. <laughs> and there's not a lot of providers that. For <laughs> <laughs> shame! Oh my gosh! What? Why are they doing that? Um, I mean, some kids do need it, but typically, like if a breastfeeding mom um, and their baby has tongue tie, like the tongue makes like clicking sounds, and it mm-hmm. can be like more painful. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways to like go about this, and not necessarily like. Clipping, so so traumatizing. And there's for a little not baby. many doctors, so it's like hard. Say, oh, I have to go to Seattle to get that done, uh, and so like they'll go to their dentist and get it done. And the dentist so will just do it. Do it. Yeah. I feel like as if you're a dentist out there, just say you're not going to do that. Be yeah. like, no, and maybe have like your pocket list of recommended doctors who you're like, here's an expert. Let's take as the kids say. Period. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to get that money. Uh, that's a good Gross. point. Uh, final segment, Annie. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. So, homework for our listeners. Um, there's a lot of things going through my mind. One thing is if you feel weird about women who breastfeed, that's your problem. And uh, one thing you can do is deal with your weird feelings. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you can doctor Google it for all the ways that you can be less weird about it. You and go just to counseling. You could like go to counseling, get yeah. some help, <laughs> reconsider the way that you think about. Yeah. Moms and babies and whatnot. I mean, I think that's one thing. Um, the other, actually, I was going to ask before I recommend this for homework. Um, if people are in the medical field, or say, even if I'm like at the hospital doing something, and I see like certain kinds of like I see discrimination or, or um, like biases happening, like working their way out, um, is it helpful to to like complain to the hospital or to follow some of those channels, or is that me just like getting in the way? No, complain. Okay. And escalate. <laughs> and escalate. Because so, that's kind of what I find myself naturally yeah. wanting to do. And also, but I also, I also don't want to, like, overstep, you know. And it's tough. And especially if it's happening to a person of color that, like, is having to do that labor as well. Like, yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. it's tricky to, like, oh, and now this is something else that I have to bear with. But 
it's like so important. I think that's the only way that you really see like change mm-hmm. is if you complain enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I sometimes wonder. Well, I know a lot of hospitals too. They have these like my sister was a nurse at St. Joe's for a while, and so just like they have these systems in place where you're like write a review or like fill out the survey, and you know yeah. people complain about dumb stuff but I'm like that seems like a good opportunity to complain or to say like yo I saw this thing happening and maybe you weren't quote unquote trying to be racist but like here's how it was playing out and also like look at the models of like hospitals that are using anti-bias training like we had Mm. we had great experience at UW hospital and I think it's because it's a teaching hospital that they are kind of more immersed in like like teaching and learning because every time they did rounds it was like a bunch of grad students and like PhD candidates were coming through and like they're they're always constantly like teaching and learning I don't know if that affects the dynamic of how um responsive people are to like um bias in um providing healthcare but like um there are models out there that are function that are mm. working you know uh, and I don't know if that would necessarily work in a non-teaching hospital the same way but um I don't it ha, there has to be some um some way to I don't know look at the 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 places that are doing it right right you know mm-hmm. um uh, my my homework was just and I think this is kind of everyone's homework from this episode this has been <laughs> so enlightening is just yeah like normalize breastfeeding like don't make it like why like just normalize breastfeeding make it make it fine and if you're like hope said if you're not fine with it like fix yourself I've been watching this episode or the series called Working Moms. It's a like Canadian show. Oh my on gosh, Netflix. I love that oh, show. Oh good, I'm glad you, you're the only person I know who's seen it besides me. Oh my gosh, I accidentally saw it and then I was like yeah. obsessed and I'm sad. Like <laughs> yeah. it's over. Wait. So I'm like halfway through, but one of the things they grapple with is around breastfeeding yes. and like and just in general feeding mm-hmm. your baby and like what's right for each mom. One of the things I like is that they all each of the moms has a different um, way that they manage or handle Absolutely. and like it just really goes to show. That, like, it's not going to be the same for everybody. No. And you have to figure out what's right for you and your baby and your family and your job and all Absolutely. that. And I think that's what's rad about breastfeeding feeding peer counselors. I think I finally got it right. <laughs> is that is that you you lower the barrier and you open the door. Yeah. That's so there, awesome. There's a great moment at this one lady's job where she's, like, breast – like, she's pumping. Sorry, not breastfeeding. She's pumping. And one of the employees walks in. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, But it's in, like, a – what is it? Like, a lunchroom, basically. Yeah. And so that employee, like – there's some other things that happen I won't say. But uh, that employee <laughs> freaks out and goes to – it's a man. And then he goes to, like, his male boss. And then she goes to the male boss and she's like, uh, am I going to get in trouble for – I won't say all the things that were going on in that room. But um, he was just like, no. Like, you're supposed to be breast – like, you have the right to breastfeed. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, okay, great, thanks. <laughs> it's really funny. When That's you get awesome. That yes. That was great. Uh, homework. What do you think? Um, I would encourage, um, like, workplaces, employers to see how they can better support, um, like, moms who are breastfeeding mm-hmm. in their workplaces. Um not just providing a space, but think about the break times that are offered. Mm. What that even if you have a breastfeeding room, like what that looks like. Like, is it in the dungeon of the building, like <laughs> where mm. she's like having to hurry and scramble to get to for her fifteen minute break, and like half of yeah. it was like five minutes to get there, that sort of thing. So, kind of thinking about that. And if a uh, workplace doesn't have a policy in place, there's tons of toolkits that can help support that. Um, but also like thinking about adopting one or supporting these moms because like the benefit is really like in their favor, like. The moms are healthier. Kids are healthier. Mm-hmm. They won't have to, like, call out for a sick kid. So, like, support it. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because we didn't even get into the um, issues around just supporting working moms as a whole or, like, workplace norms around maternity leave. And Listen, you might just... have to come back because <laughs> it's a, it <was> a lot. <laughs> uh, if people are interested in following you or getting a hold of you or following any of the conversations, is there a way that you like them to yeah, get a hold of um Instagram and Twitter are L I Y A H underscore and the number three. And yeah, awesome. I'm around. Thank Sweet. you for coming on the show. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Listen to our other podcasts. Move to Tacoma. Nerd Farmer. Citizen Tacoma. Crossing Division. Flounder's B-Team. We Art Tacoma. And Taco Man. Annie, stop chewing. Just kidding. It's lunchtime. You're chewing. I'm hungry. That's going to be on our outtakes. You chewing in the mic right there. I'm so hungry all the time. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.